Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Well, hey there. Thank you for tuning right in. It is The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. I got someone really intriguing today, and I say that because on paper, I might say he is a serial entrepreneur who built and sold not one, but two businesses uh, for multi-millions of dollars. And we were talking right before we hit record. And what was interesting is that, oh, well, I'll just let him tell it. It is Don W. Long. How's it going, Don? It's going well. I hope you and your listeners are doing well, Josh. Thank you for saying so. So I want to sort of recap what we were talking about right before uh, the on-air button went live. you, you, I guess, by all sense of definitions, are a serial entrepreneur and will unravel all that. But it was just a few years ago that somebody labeled it to you and you were like, wait, what? And, and it was sort of a new concept? Yeah. So uh, we, uh, two friends of mine, one of them a really close friend um, and another person that I knew, but wasn't as close to, we started a business conference was called Epic in Business. And and we uh, started in 2017 to take uh, our best of our backgrounds and then bring speakers in to try to help small businesses grow in our community in the Raleigh-Durham area. So we started that event. We started brainstorming in 16 and we had our first one in 17. And uh, Mihaly, one of the partners or co-founders, one day came up and said, man, you're just a serial entrepreneur. And I'm like, uh, well, you know, I really haven't thought of myself like that until you said it. But hey, you know, I guess if it, it fit from his perspective anyway. So I, I told him, you know, what I tell most people, I just did what my dad told me when I was young, just get up and go to work every morning, and it'll all work out. So I did that and did a lot of different things in the early days and tried to I think tried to find my strive, stride and vibe in business. And I think that's what all people in, in the entrepreneurial in is actually want to end up manifesting the best of who they are and their gifts. And I think there's a path that people can find that, that they can do that in. Yeah. What did your father do for work that, that was uh, his mantra? 
my family built highways for a living when I was a kid. So like uh, part of Interstate 40 that comes through Raleigh, uh, when I was 17 years old, still just barely out of high school, I graduated in seven, uh, when I was 17. I helped my dad build one pay- piece of the Highway 40 uh, here in the Raleigh-Durham area, believe it or not. And we weren't living here then. I'm from a small town, Burlington, North Carolina, which is about an hour away from Raleigh. And uh, so that's what he did. They had a farm you know, did farming. Most people in the South, you know, familiar with farming. And so we had a family farm, but for their really making money, they built roads for a living. So we, in the weekends, we worked on the farm and during the week we built highways. So that's that's such a fascinating thing. Building highways. That is obviously a, um, you're, you're a contractor of the city or the state of the, or the government, right? right? So they hire you guys to do which part? Is it just to lay the concrete and the asphalt, or is it much more than that? Uh, it's a lot more than that. It is. Build the bridges, uh, get the, it, the it, to, back then it was a little uh, less defined than it is today. Um, but typically, whether it's federal or state dollars, uh, most of the major highways, like a 40 or a 95, which we're all familiar with on the East Coast, right. they are built more with federal dollars. And so it's a, it's a little different contract. But then you have, like in Raleigh, you probably have an outer loop, uh, an inner loop in New Jersey. Well, we have an outer loop that's being built right now. It's called 540 that goes all the way around the kind of the triangle area. It, it touches a lots of different sides. And so there's part of it that had me built. That's more, some of that's more with state and federal dollars. So it just depends on the yeah. you know, contracts are a little different each way. You're the author of at least two books. I know of uh, Sell or Don't Eat. And yeah. the tag of that is how selling from the soul will keep food on your table. And then also the blueprint of God, wisdom to change the world. Uh, the wisdom to change the world is in you. Yeah. I want to talk about each of them a little separately and, and really start with the big word sales and selling, because I know that that's really, that sort of is the theme of, of your life. Is that sort of an accurate statement? It's definitely a theme uh, in the beginning uh, when, and that's why uh, the person who helped me put the book together, she's a genius. I give her a a shout out. Her name is Michelle Culp. She helps people publish books. And um, she, uh, she came up with the title. Actually, we had a different, a little different title, but as hearing my story, when I started in the early eighties, um, and my wife got married when we were 20 years old, believe it or not. So we were kind of young. We were poor. And so uh, if we had, if we were going to eat, I had to sell something. So that's where the title kind of originated from. And I've sold anything from donuts to trucking school uh, tuition to uh, vacuum cleaner services, vacuum cleaners, network marketing, you name it. For about four years in the early 80s to the late 80s, um, I worked with a couple of guys who were probably the sharpest salespeople that I've ever had the pleasure of being with. And they, they were both athletes at the UNC Chapel Hill. They both played soccer at a high level and uh, they didn't go pro back then. Pro soccer didn't pay anything unless you went in Europe to play. So they stayed here and they were both really sharp business guys. And somehow I met them through a, a mutual friend and got to be friends with them. And basically for about four years, I just shadowed them and, and tried to copy what they did because they were really good at what they did. 
And so what was kinda... the, yeah, I love that you, you say that you shadowed and copied because that's a, a very valid piece of what every successful entrepreneur should do, right? Emulate, yeah. find what they want to do, who's already doing it, and then figure out, right? Uh, work backwards, dissect, analyze, train, study, educate, and then implement what you see them doing. That's... What do you... What do you make of the, the word sales? Because I know some people think that it's a four-letter word, right, in the traditional sense. Uh, so I'd love to get your take on it. How do we differentiate that? That's why I wrote the book. Uh, kind of accidentally, a friend of mine who had been a close friend of mine for about eight years uh, started a business. And um, we had a, he wanted to meet with me and run some ideas by me over a cup of coffee. It's been probably three or four years ago now. And uh, one of the questions that he had, he's, he's kind of a left brain musician type who wanted to do recording audio and video for people who have websites, so on and so forth. So he's kind of a tech guy. And uh, he said, I don't know how to sell. And so I need you to help me. And so we started having these conversations over coffee. And I ended up coming up with about 17 different audios that I did on voice memos on my iPhone, sending them to him about the best things that we had done. And he said, you need to write a book. This will help a lot of people. And so that's kind of where the book came out of. And I think for me, sales, the original title was going to be The Selling Influence. And it's because sales is not about the first two chapters in the book are on the real you and also authenticity. And people ask me all the time, they want tools. Salespeople want tools. They're like, I, how do I close them? How do I get this? How do I get that? I'm like, wait a minute, hold on, wait a minute. The 80-20 rule, okay, here's where we're going to start. 20% of sales is tools. 80% is mindset, authenticity, finding how you relate to people and how people want to be related to, creating clients that you have win-win relationships with that become lifetime clients that no one can ever steal because of your relationship with people. So I teach relationship influence, authenticity, a path. I actually have an audio series called the selling blueprint, which actually helps people. It's built around the disc model, the D I S C personality profile model, where I actually teach people how to understand who their client is. And one of the major shifts that I do with salespeople, if I'm training them, is to get them to communicate to the client the way they want to receive communication instead of going in with guns blazing, communicating the way they want to communicate. And that's why sales gets a bad rap. When I come to you and I'm trying to sell you something, that's the first problem. See, I had a great mentor, and I, some of your listeners might know him. His name was Chet Holmes. And uh, he said, that sales always breaks rapport and education always builds it. And so we became, in my life, the educator to my clients. And I tried to build relationships first with them based around common interests and win-win scenarios with whatever company I was in and whatever they needed. So to me, sales, it's got a bad rap because of the way we've defined it. And that I think that it really comes down to people building relationships together versus me trying to get you to buy something from me. That would be the way I would define it. 
I'm sure you already um, spoke some of this, but can you give us an example of one of these audio files that you were sending that became the book? Like I said, I'm sure part of it was what you just said, but yeah. what's another one you could throw at us that you uh, have, part of the book? I have one that's built on building rapport. And uh, actually, actually, it's in the book, only it's, it's just one chapter. And, and then I have a sales course that it's a one module in the sales course. But I've done actually eight talks on building rapport. And rapport means really all people prefer others reflecting themselves back to them. Can you say that again? Because that's so important. Rapport means all people prefer others reflecting themselves back to them. And this is the whole DISC model. Whereas if I come into you and let me, you get good at it. It's not about, it's not necessarily, it's not about manipulating, trying to find information about people. It's just living your life and going in and trying to build a relationship in business. And so what I do, if I come in and see Josh Carey and I realize that Josh is a C, you're a C in the profile, which is more engineer type. Just use that example. And me as a, as a, as who I am, I'm more of an I. Well, the I's and the C's kind of great against each other. If they just, if they act out their normal patterns of personality. So what I do, and I had a great mentor tell me, if you're going to pick one part of the disc to be when you go in and you don't know who you're going to see, always be the S. The S is the most sociable, connected, sensitive build rapport easy because people will talk to them. They're like Dear Abby in the column. Everybody will talk to an S. My wife is an S and she has people come out of the woodwork everywhere we go and tell them all her stories. That's what you want to be. You want to be that magnet that people trust, right? And so what I realized is when I go see a C, if I'm normally taking a one document sheet to explain to them what we're bringing, service, whatever, result-wise, I better bring the whole book because they want everything. But if I go see a D, a D is a dominant who just wants the highlights. They just want the bullet points. If I go in there with a book, they run me out of their office, right? You go see an I, and an I just wants to be your friend. They just want to talk. Look, one of the things I established with all the sales teams I've built over the years is when your customer or client is talking, never, ever stop them, period. Listen. Be, a, be an ear, build the relationship because rapport is really built by the other people connecting to you by you listening to them and then reflecting back to them themselves because everyone is a bit narcissistic, so to speak. You know, we're all kind of self-consumed, right? So if you just learn this and just be you, be the real you. And people say, well, that's kind of conflicting. If, how can I be the real me and, and then relate to all these personality types? It's really simple. If you have more than one child, you'll understand this. All of your children are different. You're the same parent. You relate to them differently, don't you? Why? Exactly. Because they need it. Not because you need it. You have to relate to, I have two daughters and they're like day and night in many ways. And I could not discipline one the same way I disciplined the other or give information either way. Because if I did, one would receive it and one wouldn't. And if I'm really a good father, would I not clarify my communication based on what they needed? Wow. It's really that simple. Wow. That's, that's extraordinary. I love the whole rapport 
aspect. What is this DISC model? Where can we get more on that? I mean, is- DISC was created by behavioral science type people. You can really just go online and Google, uh, you know, DISC and it'll D-I-C- pop up. D-I-S- D-I-S-C, yeah. Person- it's, it's, a, it's a personality thing? It's a profile personality test. And I mean, you can, used to, you, they had one version you could take for free. I don't know if that still exists, but it's, you know, 20, 30 bucks and you can take a comprehensive test and it, it tells you how you relate to all the other people in it. We did it. This was really cool. The last company that I ran, they had a corporate model. And I had all of my major managers, which was a group of about 15 people in the inner circle type that were like, they weren't considered VPs. There were a couple of VPs in there, but they were just under the VP level. We all took a corporate test to see what our corporate profile was out in the public. And it was amazing because what we found out was I was hiring everyone like me. And we have weaknesses in the company because everybody needs other things in other departments, right? And so then we started changing the way we hire by this corporate test because I realized, oh, if I'm going to have admin people, I need them to be more S. (laughs) I do not need any Ds in the admin. We won't ever hire anybody. And so it's like we started building this whole model around uh, not so much the disc, but just learning what positions we needed and what personality type might fit the best in customer service or in admin, for instance. And so it really is kind of cool and because uh, it, it really identified that everybody hires people like them. And until you get to, uh, you know, uh, over a few people, if you never build anything past five or six people, it's probably fine. But once you start in the fifties and the hundreds and over and three or four, 500, you've got to realize that you need all four types of people represented in your corporation. And really the only way to do that, you will never operate contrary to your personality. It's just not, you will never operate contrary to your personality unless you're a split personality what does that mean really so that means that you are who you are and you were and this is i deal with this in the blueprint of god you you became you came here a certain way with certain strengths gifts talents and abilities and personality profile type and you're not you can you can uh you can mold a little bit of that through your communication to connect with people that's different than you but by and large when josh shows up you are who you are and when you try to operate against that, it takes the best of you off the table. It's so true. And I know what's so difficult is I'm at a point in my life where I'm, I'm able to acknowledge and trust and believe that. But don't we for so many years uh, and, and, and don't so many people try to change themselves because they have the core belief that who they are is fundamentally wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me tell you, I can set so many people free with one statement that I learned from John Maxwell. Everybody knows who John Maxwell is, a leadership teacher. Right? Of course. Yeah. He said, and I was in the meeting when he said it, he said, he said, once you find out your strengths, never, ever, 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 ever work on your weaknesses again, period. In other words, you always work on what you're, what you're, who you are and the core of who you are to become better. And the reason is whatever that is that you bring to the table, you come, when you come out of your mother's womb, you're already a seven. And his thesis was people can grow two spots and people stand in line for nines. And at the end of the day, you can never be who you're not, but you can always be better than no one can. This is the cool part. No one can compete with who you are. 
because nobody's like you. And it's like when we get when we get settled in that identity piece, which I deal with some of that in the blueprint of God, when we get settled in that identity piece and we stop trying to be other people finally. And I think we all come this path. When I was younger, I wanted to be all my mentors. All my mentors that I looked up to, you know, the two guys that I started selling with, I thought, boy, if I could, they were all tall. They were like six foot. I'm like five, seven at best. My wife says I'm not that tall. But anyways, <laughs> I know I'm the vertically, feeling, Don. I'm yeah. vertically challenged, right? And these guys were six foot, six foot one. They were tall, good looking, and they were just sharp people. And it's like, man, I just want to be like them. And, and then, then, then I met some other people that were bigger in life than they were. And I'm like, I just want to be that, right? Wow. And we all, I think that's healthy to, to want to have positive role models, coaches, mentors, and stuff in your life. But I think the unhealthy part is when it becomes codependent and you become them or want to become them in, a, in kind of a really bad way. And you have, the part of this journey for me is finding out who you are. See, the first chapter in the sales book hits it all, the real you. Don't you want to find out really who you are? I think that's part of your story with the hidden entrepreneur, right? You hid for 40 years, right? And so, so didn't you want to find out who you are and be okay with that? I'll tell you what, when you do that, you will live a life that most people don't live because very few people are congruent with and know who they are and are comfortable in their own skin. Mm, why do we think that is? What's going on there? You know, I think that um, my basis for the, for the blueprint of God, one of the key places is the Psalms 139, where it talks about being fearfully and wonderfully made and that we were made in our mother's womb. And when we came out, we had a substance inside of us. And I believe that substance is a DNA, a dominant neurological agenda that's from the creator. And I believe that if we can find those bits and pieces that are somewhat eternal, uh, and settle in that's who I am, and from there I'm going to live my life, then that settles, that kind of starts the path of settling your identity piece. And I think most people still have this problem with, like you said earlier, like, I'm not okay. I need to fix myself. What if we started with the thesis that I'm already wonderful right now? What if we started with the thesis that I'm already a standard from the creator because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made before I do anything. This is pre coming out of your mother's womb. Well, so if you're fearfully and wonderfully made before you're born, well, then you got to be after you're born, right? And so if we started from the standpoint of thinking of ourselves in the context of we are already wonderful, we don't need to be fixed. Now, I didn't say we don't need to grow and I didn't say we don't need to change and become. I, I don't take that piece off the table because I think that's part of the human journey, right? Becoming. And so, but if we could start, it's almost like if I start, I have people that I coach, I have this one guy who's a, uh, prof he used to be a professional soccer player and he is sharp. He is a champion at what he does. And he, he does these small group uh, coaching things all over the triangle with kids and, you know, uh, that want to play soccer, right? He coaches them at a high level. And, uh, but he is a champion. And every time I get with him, I'm just like, man, I want to be you. You know, you're like a rock star. You know, he's like, he's already that. But what I keep, what I, what the reason we connect, we had a friendship prior, but uh, is because he wants to be reminded of who he is. We just need to be, you know, Socrates says, uh, remembering is learning, right? Learning is remembering. You have to remember who you were 
before the fall. And it's like when we do that, we start identifying with the greatness that already is inside of us. One of the key phrases I love to use with people is you were pre-wired for greatness before you were ever born. Why don't you identify with that person and stop believing the other crap that you tell yourself, the other stories that you tell yourself, the other BS that you feed yourself, belief systems <laughs> that cause you to miss who you really are. And boy, when we do that, well, you know, I, I heard one of the recordings that you have with a guy that wants to build the billion dollar business. Uh, and, and he was talking about mindset. Mindset's everything. And so if we can develop that empowering mindset, we can just about do anything. Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation-only event includes interviews with you on top-rated business podcasts all in one day. It also provides a unique networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches and consultants, investors, speakers, executives, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about Podmax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co and I hope to see you at the next Podmax event. See, what's so refreshing about that is from, from studying you and getting to, uh, you know, prepare for this dialogue, it's abundantly clear that your success, having not one but two, um, starting, growing, and successfully selling eight-figure businesses here, it's not about the sales technique, right? It's not first about learning how to overcome objections, right? There's, there's a whole lot of work prior to that. And that's what, that's what I uh, appreciate. Tell me about that. I love taking people down a path, whether they're uh, like my, my guy who's the champion soccer player or whether they're in sales. I love taking people down the path of self-discovery and finding out that really sales business relationships with your children, with your mate, whoever is all about you. It's the power of you. It's finding out what burns in you. It's finding out how you relate to the world around you. It's finding out how to pull the best. I call it pull, digging the gold out of you, finding those handfuls of purpose that already reside on the inside and pulling that greatness out and then relating that to the universe and to the people around you that you are either serving or connecting to or attempting to become all of them. And it's like when you find the real you and you learn how to relate and communicate to others around you, it seems like the world or the road comes up to meet you. And this is what I found in it's almost 40 years now, but plus 35 years in building businesses and stuff is that life is not about, it's just like sales is not about sales and overcome objections. Life is not about what you gain, but it's about who you become in the process. And if you become big enough, creation itself will bring you all the gold and set it at your feet. Trust me on that one. Because you have become and gain is attracted to 
the law of becoming for a lack of better words. And so what I, in my early days, I was just like everyone else. I thought it was about techniques and how you, how well you talked and, and how well you talk people into. And, uh, you know, I talked so much that I talked people into sales sometimes and then talked them out of the same sale that I just talked them into because I didn't know when to shut up. You know, So, you know, I, I, I believe in tools, but what I found in every person, this is Avery, this is never wrong. In every person I've coached, they needed the other 80% before they needed the tools. It's never wrong. It's like, it's not like you don't need the tools, but it's like, if you get the tools, if I give you a tool pack, but yet I don't give you powering mindset. The first time you go out with a chisel and it doesn't work like you want to, you quit the job. You see, the first time you go out with a shovel or whatever it is metaphorically you're looking at, the first time you go out and use the tool and the tool lets you down because it didn't work like you were told it was going to work then it doesn't matter because you don't have the other stuff built inside of you. And so my journey is, is, is a consult, business consultant and, and helping people. It's really trying to get them to find the power of them. Because when you become fully alive, when you become so engaged by just life itself, then you'll figure out how to use the tools. And you won't throw the tool bag away when it doesn't work one day. You also talk about how to uncover your identity. Yeah. That's one of your pillars. What does that really mean? What are we talking about? Man, I have to, I get, I have to go back to the Psalms because it's like I, I really want people to connect with the eternal peace that they are. Um, and kind of the way I got the insight for the, book, the blueprint of God was that if you read that Psalm 139, you'll get to a point about halfway through where it talks about substance. That word substance there is an old English term. And it says that you're, the, I saw the substance in you. It's talking about the creator seeing this piece of substance inside of you. And, and it just kept being highlighted to me over and over again. And then I heard that that substance is actually a piece of the DNA of the creator that's in every human being before they're born. And it's like when you find that piece and you start actually believing in that you're the creator's standard, in other words, you're already wonderful and you're already fearfully made before you do anything, because a baby can't do anything. Think about that. When you start thinking of yourself in those terms, then you start uncovering what I consider that eternal value and that eternal identity. Without that, I don't think people are truly successful and happy because I think that a lot of people just play themselves. They just, you know, they, they might get successful. They might create the wealth, but they're never comfortable in their own skin because they don't know who they are and they don't really have a connection with the creator. And I think those two things are paramount to being successful especially in the world we live in with all the perplexity and stuff that's happening all the time, just like the season we're in now. It's like, man, if you don't know who you are now, you're going to have some trouble in business for sure. How do we, how do we begin that exercise? How do we get there? Is it, is it a, um, is it a, a morning mantra? Is it journaling? Like, like what's tangibly, how do we begin that process? For me, the way that I started the process was through desire. Um, there's a, uh, a proverb that says, desire realized is like the tree of life. The first part of that proverb says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So the inference of that parable uh, in, in Proverbs is that 
if you don't get your desires that you burn for on the inside that came with you pre-packed in there before you were born, you're going to be a sick person and you're going to live a hopeless life. So what I do is I get people to find the desires, the dreams, the things that resonate already on the inside of them. And, and, and definitely journaling is involved because I love journaling. I think if you don't journal, you miss most of your life. I have a journal for business. I have one laid out here right now for, for podcasts. When I'm talking to somebody like you and you recommend a book or something, I write it down in my business journal. You know, I want to I remember to get that book or whatever. And so I think writing down your life daily, the good, the bad, and the ugly, helps you progress as a human being. And so what I do with people is I get people to get congruent on just a couple desires, not a whole list, you know, uh, not, not this big overwhelming thing. And then, then start burning inside, start really intuitively saying, okay, how do I get there? What things do I need to become and to do to get those things in my life and start getting excited about living from the place of knowing that you were meant to have the desires of your heart and those dreams, because if they're pre-wired inside of you, then that's a sign from the creator that he wants you to have them. And so I take that piece and then I marry the second thing that I do. That's just a couple things that I can give you right off the top is I marry people's strengths. You will never produce desires that don't match your strengths. Never period. So if I find people's strengths and the way we find people's strengths is through simply taking a disc test, because when you take a disc test, it gives you a list of your natural strengths. It, it might, you, like for you say, it might be organization, might be your top strength. That's not my top one, but that would be one that would be listed. And so you start leadership, you start seeing, okay, these natural strengths. And what I teach people, the third step is I teach people, some of your natural strengths are monetizable. Start asking every day, take a three by five card, write down the top. There's usually about five or six strengths listed in the test. Write the top three that are highlighted to you when you read them. Write them on a three by five card, put them on your refrigerator, put them on, in your car, put them somewhere you can see them two or three times a day. And every time you see them, ask the question, what, how are these monetizable? And just Go with what you hear, move in that direction, take action, and then you'll find that you take that step with the strengths and with the desires, and you're off and running. Those are really the first three things that I work with people on, because everyone can, if you can't tell me what you desire and dream, we got a problem. <laughs> but most people have a desire or a dream of some sort, and they know it's innate inside of them. And that's where I try to differentiate fantasy. Like if I'm making $50,000 a year, thinking I'm going to have a Lamborghini, that might come down the road, but right now that's fantasy. Absolutely. What do you make of the, the whole concept of self-sabotage? Do you come across this in your work or with clients? Is this oh, a thing? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, yeah it, 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 it's built more around what we began with is that for some, reason, for some reason, we will buy the worst about what we think about ourselves than the best. And I don't know why. I guess humans are kind of wired that way a little bit. And so you definitely have to, uh, those are identity issues that I try to help people with too. When people say, well, you know, this happened. And, and I'm like, well, why did that happen? And I say, well, because I thought this. And I'm like, just tell me why you feed yourself that same line again. We have to change. Look, Josh, you're familiar with this, I'm sure, but we have to continually change the story we tell ourselves. 
if we tell ourselves the story of the, what you told yourself the first 40 years, you would have stayed hidden, right? But somewhere along the line, you got a new story. And when you start telling that story, then you start becoming the person who has to live up to the story. It's so true. And thankfully for me, it was the arrival of uh, both of my children staring back at me as young uh, children and me realizing that, oh, wait, I'm actually the child in this circle here. And I'm the one who has some work to do. And that yeah. was powerful enough for me to say, okay, I could, uh, I could have beat myself up for 40 years, really only hurting me. Sure, some collateral damage along the way, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be the responsible person and father for these two adoring souls and continue this work. So I said, uh, it's now or never. I got to do it, and I yeah. made the responsible choice and decision to take the action. That's so cool. Yeah, the, I, children have a way. I have two daughters, and they have a way of changing your life for sure. And and uh, I think for me, uh, I tell people all the time, I don't know that I would have ever. I thought I knew what love was until I had kids. And then I realized what love was. I don't think you I think it's hard for people to really relate to true love without having kids. I mean, I, I just, I know I was different after kids, much like you. It's so true. So when you grew up, you said that up until, you know, you were into your marriage, you were poor. Was that um, something that sort of surprised you about the acknowledgement of that and then the attainment of wealth or how did that sit with you growing up and i think people in the beginning i succeeded a lot because i i really lived out of desperation instead of inspiration i think you succeed for one or the two of the reasons and so what ended up happening to me is i started actually being able to um relate to wealth differently by the books i read and the, uh, back then we had cassette tapes and, and I started relating to it differently because I started seeing um, people succeed and it helped me develop a, a mindset that I didn't have prior to when I was 20 years old. Um, I, the books you read and the, and the things you listen to and the conferences you go to have a lot with the way of, of, of molding you. And that's what started happening to me. And then meeting mentors in life, having some friends and then, meeting these guys and, and seeing people that lived a different life than I did. It currently helped pull me along kind of out of that whole desperation mindset. So that's yeah. kind of what led me in the beginning. How do you get to a sale twice of eight figures? Was that a, was that a path, a, a conscious, like this is going to happen? And, and how did it happen? What was the, the secret quote unquote to that success? Beginning, I don't think it was a conscious thing that I was leaning towards. I think it became um, a kind of a burning uh, obsession as I learned and grew from about 1982 to about 86, about a four-year period. And, and, and then I started, I started having some success. So, you know, success breeds success a lot of times. And so I started having some things happen that were positive. And um, I think that kind of led me on the journey to starting to see what was possible. So part of um, what I believe happened to me is that the group of people that I was hanging around had large aspirations in life. Uh, the two guys that I sold with and we were connected to another business group that uh, had 
kind of conferences and meetings and stuff. And all of that was kind of new to me. I was kind of young and, and uh, very young uh, entrepreneur. I knew I wanted to have my own business. But um, as I went through that season from about 82 to 86, I felt like I got a master's degree in sales from the two guys that I was hanging out with. But I also got affected, so to speak, or infected, if you will, from the people that we were hanging around who had larger dreams. And um, I realized that there were possibilities in that season for my life to be bigger than I thought it was. And so at that point, my dreams and goals changed a little bit and I started elevating my sight and my thoughts toward the next level of life, which is to build it. We started building one of our first businesses that uh, ended up becoming uh, a multi-million dollar company over about the next 10 years. So that's kind of where uh, I guess it was kind of birth in me and that season uh, of hanging around people that for a lack of better words were more powerful in life and definitely had larger aspirations and dreams than, than I came with when I hmm. uh, was connecting with them. When we're talking about your, your clients and the people that you surround yourself with, is this something, you know, the, uh, the willingness to embrace your, your authentic self and to uncover your identity and certainly grow a business to, you know, anything that you desire, is that, is that inherent within all of us or is that reserved for people with a certain skill set? Uh, that's a great question. Um, there's a lot of answers to it. I don't think there's one answer, but I will say this. I think that you come with a set of strengths, gifts, talents, and abilities. And I think if you could figure out how to monetize them based on your desires, then you can build what that you can build whatever you want to in context with who you are. Um, I do think there are some people who come, I've just used Tiger Woods. Most people know I, I, the parable of the, the talents talks about uh, the master giving one, two and five. So I do believe that people are born different and some people are born with more talents based on that parable. So uh, I don't think you're going to find many golfers that are going to ever be as good as Tiger Woods. We'll just use him as an example, but you can be a world-class golfer and there's a lot of them relatively speaking that make really good money and have a great life doing it. So I think for me, what I found was kind of the perfect combination of the path in business and my desires manifesting and matching them with my strengths. And this is when I start talking to people, this is really where I hit home with, with the consulting and coaching pieces, because I do think that if you burn to be an entrepreneur, and if you uh, really want to build a, a multi-million dollar business, I don't think there's one type of person who does that because I think there's too many examples in the marketplace of every kind of personality profile type and, and every kind of person building. I think it's more in aligning it with the passions that burn in you congruently with who you are and then finding, uh, uh, being able to take those strengths, apply them and grow the business. All right, so looking to to wrap up everything that we've spoken about here, what's the final word we want to leave the entrepreneur and the business person tuning in? What's, what's, uh, what do they need to know going forward? Well, I think for me, what I really like for people to walk away from here is to know that 
you're, you're wonderful the way you are, but it doesn't, it, it also means it puts a honest, if you will, to grow and to become greater in your capacity and who you are. So don't take it as a, as a place of, well, I'm, I'm already great. You know, <laughs> well, I, you're wonderful, but in that identity piece, you have to grow as an individual into the things that you're wanting to create, whether it's multi-million dollar companies, a billion dollar company, maybe it's uh, online business and you just, you, you just want it to be you and one or two other people. It really doesn't matter what you're going to build. It's more important that you walk in there with the right mindset that matches who you are on the inside. I'm so big about this authenticity piece and about things for other people and try to build things that are somewhat out of their capacity and even willingness to pay the price for. And so the kind of the way I do life is I don't really do anything anymore unless I feel like it matches the innate desires inside of me. And I feel like there's the capacity either within me are with me creating the resources in others to, to, to pull this off. And if I don't think, if I don't answer the check off, yes, to all those questions, I really don't pursue it. So I think entrepreneurs by and large are, can be somewhat hard on themselves because of the success and failures of the daily running of a business, trying to create one, cut yourself some slack, keep becoming, follow the desires that burn inside of you, match those strengths with them and become better at what you're already wonderful at, so to speak, and keep pursuing the path that takes you toward those dreams and goals that you have in your heart. probably the way I would put it together. It's absolutely uh, perfect. Wonderfully put. I will leave you with the final question I ask of all my guests. Don W. Long, how would you like to be remembered? How would I like to be remembered? I tell you, that's one of those other, I guess if I had to just give it to you on the spot, I'd like to be remembered as a great father first and foremost to my girls and um, a great husband to my wife. And then finally, a, a good friend to all the people who needed the things that I could freely give them uh, within my reach. Uh, and then you know, with clients and, and people outside of that sphere, it would probably be the same thing is, is that I gave my best to the people that came to me for either whatever reason. And, um, you know, what I had, I was able to give it away. I think the the key reason for living is giving. And, and I'm, I'm a big proponent of uh, leaving handfuls on purpose for people. All right. And, and finally, how can people, uh, continue the conversation with you? Well, my website's the easiest way to get me. It's donwlong.com. I also uh, got a, uh, we can put it in the show notes, but I have a free gift for any of your uh, listeners who would like to get it. It's called lifebitesforlife.com. It's just life bites for life, just like it sounds, all spelled uh, lowercase.com. And it's 30 days of five minute talks that build on wisdom, insights, and life over my lifetime. It's kind of like 30 days of life bites for life. So if your listeners would like to grab a copy, it's totally free and love to uh, get any feedback on it from you guys. Wow, that's really cool. Yes, we'll absolutely link to all that. I appreciate it, Don. I, uh, I really appreciate your openness and your passion for wanting to help us all succeed. Thanks for um, joining us today. 
Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.